From Feature Story News in Washington, I'm Simon Marks. British regulators have approved the use of Pfizer-BioNTech's coronavirus vaccine. It will be rolled out from next week in the UK, as FSN's Ollie Barrett reports from our London bureau. The UK is the first country in the world to approve the use of Pfizer-BioNTech's jab. It's ordered 40 million doses, with 800,000 expected to arrive within days and millions by the end of the year. The UK's independent regulator is satisfied it's safe to roll out and the National Health Service had been put on standby to start administering COVID-19 vaccines from early December. Prime Minister Boris Johnson says it's fantastic the Pfizer vaccine is ready to go. His chief medical officer Chris Whitty warns it'll be months before the vulnerable population is fully vaccinated, but also calls it excellent news. Ollie Barrett, London. The US, meanwhile, has hit nearly 2,600 coronavirus deaths in a single day, the highest rate since April as the country grapples with an alarming surge of new infections and most Americans will have to wait until the middle of next year to get vaccinated. From FSN's Washington Bureau, Nina Maria Potts reports. There were more than 2,500 new coronavirus deaths across the US in the last 24 hours, bringing the total death toll to 270,642. That's according to data from Johns Hopkins University. Nearly 13.7 million people have been infected by the pandemic so far, and the death toll has not been this high since April. Projections say the US will have double the number of new coronavirus deaths by the end of December if nothing changes. Vaccines from the world's leading candidates, Pfizer and BioNTech and Moderna, have sought approval from the US authorities, which is still pending. But doses will be limited and most Americans won't have access to vaccines until 2021. Nina Maria Potts, Washington. In Hong Kong, three pro-democracy activists have been jailed for their role in anti-government protests last year. Joshua Wong was sentenced to just over a year in prison. Ivan Lam and Agnes Chow received shorter sentences. FSN's Richard Kimber reports from our Hong Kong bureau. Lawyers for the three former leaders of the now disbanded democracy activist group Demasisto had called for lenient sentences. They had urged the magistrate to consider that the activists were in their mid-twenties and hadn't taken part in any violence during the protest. The magistrate said prison was the only appropriate option and that a suspended sentence would not act as a strong enough deterrent. Both Joshua Wong and Ivan Lam have been jailed before for convictions relating to their activism, but this is the first time Agnes Chow has been given a prison sentence. Richard Kimber in Hong Kong. President Trump has hinted for the first time that he may make another presidential run in 2024. Meanwhile, the latest tallies in the U.S. have seen Joe Biden's lead over the president in the U.S. election reach nearly 7 million votes. From bureaus worldwide, this is FSN. Obamacare. The very sound of it makes many of us cringe because we know our choices have been limited and the premiums just keep going up every year. We send our money to big insurance companies who cover elective abortions and profit from us while we struggle to make the monthly payments. Aren't you ready to break free from the shackles of high-cost health care? Please meet my friends at the Alliance for Shared Health. ASH for short. ASH is a health share ministry with over 40,000 households participating. They integrate best-in-class healthcare access solutions with the health share world to solve the health care crisis. As a member, you share in the financial burden related to catastrophic health care expenses while also having your own needs met. It's so easy. 
You can access the virtual care provider at zero cost, pick up a prescription from the pharmacy using the Share Prescription Card, and order expensive lab or imaging tests at discounts of 60 to 80%, conveniently accessed on your phone via the Share mobile app. Not only is ASH helping U.S. residents break free from government-controlled health care, ASH is an international health share ministry. $1 per household per month connects members to its East African health share predecessor, where thousands and thousands of lives are being saved through the ASH-funded pediatric hospital in the remote villages. With open enrollment here, now is your chance to save 50 to 70 percent on your monthly premiums while making a difference in the lives of so many in need. Reach out to ASH today. Visit ashcommunity.org. That's ashcommunity.org. Alliance for Shared Health. Changing healthcare, changing lives. You can find out more at stacyontheright.com. Just click the banner there and it'll take you right to the sign-up page. This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Activated by contract termination. Rumors of our demise are greatly exaggerated. Welcome to Stacy on the Right with your host, Stacy Washington. She's blessed to be a Bible reading, gun toting, Air Force veteran, wife, and mom, righteously American. Welcome into the program, and thank you so much for listening to the podcast. You may have heard that we had some fantastic news. This show was picked up first on Sundays, and now it is Monday through Friday, 9 to midnight, every night on Sirius XM Patriot 125. But the podcast remains. It still exists, and we are so excited about it. Partially sponsored and underwritten by Alliance for Shared Health, and also by Family Vision Media. Go to familyvisionmedia.org to find out more about our Christian worldview resources and our efforts to help parents uh, bring some consistency with the teaching of the Christian worldview into the lives of their children and their families. Uh, We have so many great resources over there. Check it out. Okay, so Today on the show, we're going to be talking about religious liberty. And I I know that this is something that we often hear about it. We'll even hear someone say, oh, you know, crackdowns on churches, especially now in the age of COVID, where we're eight months into flattening the curve and all of that jazz. We really have a, a significant amount of cracking down on religious freedom. Our liberties are being infringed upon. The The issue is first being informed, knowing what God's word says, and then doing something about it. So we're going to start off with just a couple of stories here, which things have been trending in the wrong direction. The Supreme Court had had two rulings where they basically said, look, you 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 can restrict religious gatherings because of this virus. It's dangerous, and so we're giving you that latitude. That goes against the First Amendment, basically guarantees your right to assemble and worship. There's a couple of cases that have gone in the right direction, and the possibility of a third case that previously was mishandled being sent back up to the Supreme Court. And the difference in then and now is, of course, Amy Coney Barrett is now a member of the U.S. Supreme Court. She's sitting as a justice now, using her power there to enshrine religious liberty once again for the American people. So the first story I want to go over is Supreme Court won't hear Louisiana pastors appeal against states stay at home order. So this is an interesting story. The case has been brought by Central Louisiana Pastor Tony Spell. He hoped to overturn the Phase 1 reopening order limiting church congregations over the summer as the coronavirus cases spiked in Louisiana. But by the time it made its way to the Fifth Circuit in New Orleans, the executive order Spell was fighting had already expired, and by that time, Louisiana had moved to Phase 2. So the Supreme Court's decision not to take up the case on appeal effectively ended his legal challenge, even if the state rolls back to a stricter lockdown phase. It was also of course, during the time when 
we had RBG still sitting on the court, and now she has been replaced by Amy Coney Barrett. Of course, the cases are surging a bit. Of course, they're not as deadly, and lots and lots of people are really experiencing the mildest forms of the coronavirus. Some are being hospitalized, but overall, the impacts are not nearly as bad. It still shines a light on what's happening in the way of the treatment of churches in his parishes near where his church is located. The restriction actually closed the bars with a positivity rate higher than 5% and kept the churches closed. He's been fighting this, this pastor, Tony Spell, the entire time that the coronavirus pandemic has been going on. I interviewed him on the nightly show a couple of days ago, and he was passionate. He was talking about, you know, being a tongue talker, and he's he's a charismatic Christian. And he says his church has actually grown. They've arrested him. They put an ankle bracelet on him. They fined him. He actually isn't allowed to preach anymore. They installed cameras around his church so that if he's there, just, you know, basically he can't go in there. If he does set foot on the premises, he's subject to additional penalties. He's the pastor of Life Tabernacle Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I love passionate people. I love hearing them talk about their faith. He says his church has grown. The numbers are up. People who attend the church are on fire for the Lord. And the persecution they've been experiencing with protesters showing up outside the church and grabbing their crotches and doing all kinds of vulgarities has only served to strengthen the church body and to bring them closer together. That's what we want. That is what all of us want to see in the way of church growth and the response to evil cropping up within our boundaries. As church members, we want to be more passionate. In other news, we have great results from the Supreme Court. The first one I want to discuss is the restrictions on church attendance in New York. You might have seen this story. It's interesting because Governor Cuomo is... His crackdowns on churches and Jewish people and their gatherings, it's legendary. It's actually the kind of stuff that if this was 20 years ago, he would be recalled for these actions. But when people are living in fear, they're going to continue to experience a a, a form of, it's almost like a sickness of your mind where the fear takes over and prevents cognition of new facts and information. So this was a 5-4 ruling from the U.S. Supreme Court barring the state of New York from imposing strict attendance limits on religious services in a major win for religious freedom. An Orthodox Jewish group, Agudath Israel of America, and the Roman Catholic Diocese of Brooklyn sued New York Governor Andrew Cuomo for discriminatory targeting of religious groups with COVID restrictions. Now, as houses of worship were being held to far more stringent standards than neighboring businesses, churches began to notice and decided, you know, this isn't good. this isn't working for us. So Agudath Israel of America and Diocese of Brooklyn fell into red and orange zones, which under state law allowed only 10 to 25 people into a house of worship at any time, regardless of the building's typical capacity. At the same time, stores and businesses deemed essential were given far laxer standards, some even lacking any limits at all on their capacity. Unequal treatment under the law. Enter the Supreme Court. You have newly minted Justice Amy Coney Barrett joining Justices Samuel Alito, Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh, and Clarence Thomas in support of the aggrieved religious groups, while Chief Justice John Roberts, the one we used to know as the lion, the conservative lion of the court, joined Justices Stephen Breyer, Elena Kagan, and Sonia Sotomayor, In the dissent, the per curiam opinion determined that New York's targeted responses run in direct opposition to the First Amendment. And here's a quote. Even in a pandemic, the Constitution cannot be put away and forgotten. The restrictions at issue here, by effectively barring many from attending religious services, strike at the very heart of the First Amendment's guarantee of religious liberty, close quote. SCOTUS actually determined that these limitations were exorbitant and they were in violation of the First Amendment, which protects free expression. And they were obviously discriminatory, and they granted both groups the injunction that they were seeking in their their filings. 
While neither group is currently in the red or orange zone, the Supreme Court decided to grant the injunction in case the areas return to the heightened levels of scrutiny uh, that the, the governor of New York has set up. Gorsuch actually wrote a concurring opinion, which determined that the unfair application of restrictions on churches and synagogues, but not hardware stores, acupuncturists, liquor stores, bicycle repair shops, certain signage companies, accountants, lawyers, insurance agents, was a clear violation of the free exercise clause in the First Amendment. Through much of his opinion, Gorsuch focused on the threats of these discriminatory policies on the Constitution writing, even if the Constitution has taken a holiday during the pandemic, it cannot become a sabbatical. So this, these things are arbitrary. Gorsuch highlighted how arbitrary they were in his writing, saying, indeed, the governor is remarkably frank about this. In his judgment, laundry and liquor and travel and tools are all essential, while traditional religious exercises are not. This is exactly the kind of discrimination that the First Amendment forbids. So this is a good development for Americans all over the country because it signals that the conservative majority will not allow COVID-19 to be an excuse to prevent people from assembling together to gather and worship. Well, enter California. They have the same draconian policies and double standards for treatment of houses of worship in comparison to hardware stores, liquor stores, you know, Home Depot, etc. So this is another story. And this one is from today. The Supreme Court overturned a lower court ruling in a big win for California churches. This is a huge victory for churches in the state of California. Governor Newsom severely restricted church attendance during the pandemic using COVID policies. The Supreme Court on Thursday ordered a lower federal court to re-examine California restrictions on indoor religious services in areas hard hit by the coronavirus in light of the justices' recent ruling in favor of churches and synagogues in New York. The high court's unsigned order, with no noted dissent, leaves the California restrictions in place for now, but it throws out a federal district court ruling that rejected a challenge to the limits from Pasadena-based Harvest Rock Church and Harvest International Ministry, which has more than 160 churches across the state of California. Last week, the Supreme Court split 5-4, holding that New York could not enforce certain limits on attendance at churches and synagogues. With the sharp increase in coronavirus cases in recent weeks, California Governor Gavin Newsom has put most of the state under heightened restrictions, including a ban on indoor singing and chanting. Isn't that oddly specific? <laughs> the quote from the actual SCOTUS ruling reads, the application for injunctive relief presented to Justice Kagan and by her referred to the court is treated as a petition for a writ of certiori before judgment. And the petition is granted. The September 2nd order of the United States District Court for the Central District of California is vacated and the case is remanded to the United States Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit with instructions to remand to the District Court for further consideration in light of Roman Catholic Diocese of Brooklyn v. Cuomo 592 U.S. and then 2020. So as was noted by the Associated Press, the order wasn't signed, had no dissent, but the Supreme Court clearly instructed lower courts to rule based on their prior ruling that denied New York Governor Cuomo the ability to set limits on church capacities. If the lower court insists on not following the Supreme Court's Cuomo ruling, then it will go back to them and they will rule in favor of the churches on their own. So what are we seeing here? Well, we are seeing what the Bible describes as kind of end time activity right here in America, a place where we just were sure. I mean, weren't, weren't you sure that because we have a constitution that protects our God-given rights, that we wouldn't experience these kinds of persecutions here. We kind of tisk tisk and pray and send money and missionaries to other countries where the suppression of religious liberty is the norm, but we never expect to see it here. Sure, liberals will say mean things about Christians and you know, kind of block Christian activity in public, but to say you can't go to church, 
because, you know, a liberal doesn't have to show up at church for you to go. Well, this is different. And and it's it's the timeline. Like if you think 2020 has been rough, I think we should all be prepared for 2021. Not that we won't be able to survive it or we should be negative about it, but that it is not going to be a, a cakewalk. We're not returning to 2019. We're going to have some variation of 2020, only it's going to be 2021. We've got to harden ourselves to that reality. Let's discuss religious liberty and what the Bible says about it. First of all, religious liberty is spiritual warfare. It is our way of getting out the information that we want people to have about being discipled into the kingdom. We look at diverse cultures and we look at how, you know, different different people can come here who practice other religions and they can also claim that they're practicing religious liberty. And sometimes that feels a little bit like, you know, should we be doing that because this is a Christian country? Religious liberty is not multiculturalism. Religious liberty is a distinctively spiritual military strategy crafted by our king and fitted perfectly for the goals of the kingdom in this moment. The Bible teaches us that. We can define religious liberty as a refusal to fight spiritual battles with earthly weapons or tactics. Giving religious liberty, therefore, keeps us focused on the battles that actually matter. We should definitely, you know, you want religious liberty for everyone who's in this country, regardless of what they're practicing, because we know the only thing that actually works, the only thing that actually matters is Christianity and faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 4, For although we live in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh, since the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. What looks like attempts to legislate away false belief or force conversions of people is actually, those are vain attempts because discipleship comes straight from the heart of our Savior. And it's a voluntary act where someone shares the gospel. And it may not be that first sharing, but at some point, the person's heart is pricked and they are drawn to Jesus Christ. Whenever we look at our religious liberty, We want to be strong and we want to be exactly the church that Jesus describes in the Bible. We don't want to wage an unproductive war on whether or not this religion or that religion practices religious liberty in America. We just want to make sure that religious liberty is there for us to practice. The only faith walk that actually makes a difference for people is Christianity. And I know, you know, I don't want anybody to get offended, but the truth is offensive and I'm not changing, you know, emailing me won't help for this moment in 2020 and going into 21. We need to be talking to people about Jesus Christ, telling them that judgment is coming, sharing the truth of a relationship with Jesus Christ and how that can not just change your life for the better, but it changes your eternal perspective permanently. Judgment is coming. Jesus is coming. The moments that we have right now, I, really, it's not even right now anymore, is it? Really, we're talking about what we had before coronavirus, the right to practice religion freely, the right to go to church as often as we wanted, the right to move about in the entire country, sharing the gospel and doing whatever we wanted at any moment, at any time, because coronavirus was not the concern and people weren't ruled by fear. God's word says in 2 Corinthians 5, 10 through 11, for we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each may be repaid for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Therefore, since we know the fear of the Lord, we try to persuade people. So we're not looking to threaten or subjugate. We want to persuade. We want to be this sweet fragrance of our Lord and Savior, which draws others to Christ. We want people to come in and be reconciled to God. It means telling people about Jesus. And if they are getting upset about it or spitting in our face, just understanding that God's word doesn't return void, it is going to bear fruit. It's not even our responsibility to hang around and see what the fruit is. We just know it's going to bear fruit. Victory for us as Christians during a time like this where 
you're literally having pastors sue and take cases to the Supreme Court of the United States in order to have the right to gather in their sanctuaries points to a shift in our culture that unfortunately we may not see it shift back. And regardless of whether or not we get back the free exercise of religion that is guaranteed to us in the Constitution without having to wage court battles, our mission remains the same. We are commanded by God to wait patiently on the coming day of judgment. We have to have that patience. We want to see things set right. We want to do it in our own strength. But God says to us, setting uh, anything on fire on our own, it's the Holy Spirit operating within us that helps us to be capable enough to even draw others to Christ, right? So every time in history where religious liberty has been infringed upon, you see the church grow. It becomes stronger and it grows. We have to follow the scriptures. And if that means doing as the the pastor that I mentioned earlier from Louisiana, if it means taking Tony Spell's route and going in and preaching even when he's been told not to, getting arrested, going going up before the authorities and saying, hey, you know, I, I'm suing. I'm, I'm going to get my right to share the gospel. I'm going to keep doing it no matter what you say. Then so be it. We are awaiting God's judgment in his way on his timetable. And we know that the war we're waging is not against actual people. It's against spirits and the evil that rules and reigns in high places that we have to deal with until Jesus returns. So we have to be encouraged. We have to be resolute. And we have to make sure we are ready to share the gospel freshly in due season at any moment with any person that we're interacting with, because the goal is to get more souls into the kingdom as we get closer and closer to the return of Jesus. Religious liberty is important. We have to keep fighting for it, but we have to remember that the first mandate that we have is to disciple people into the kingdom to Jesus Christ. And it's an exciting time to get the opportunity to do that. And so let's do it with joy, knowing that our reward is not here. It's with our father in heaven and it's going to be glorious y'all. Don't forget to check out the Alliance for Shared Health link. It's on my blog. I also have it on my Twitter feed. I'm Stacey Washington, host of Stacey on the Right here on Family Vision Media. And Alliance for Shared Health is our partner. See you next time.